0: And welcome to episode number 251 of Artificial Turf Wars. I am your host, as always, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the uh, ravishing um, Nick Dyka and the stunning Joshua Hausam.
1: Uh, <laughs> Nick, <laughs> how's good it going? <laughs> oh, much better after that intro.
0: Yeah, you see? I, I can brighten your day, boom, just like that. <laughs> how's it going with yeah, you,
1: Josh?
0: Yeah. Same as Nick. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so uh this entire episode is dedicated to Vladimir Guerrero Jr's gold glove. That's the only reason we're here, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean, I today mean was that. the day uh, Vlad Jr collects the first gold glove of his career. Uh Nick, you read it first. Are you are you pleased that uh, we have a, a gold glover?
1: Uh yeah, I'm sure Vlad's happy to get it. I don't I was just yeah. telling you guys I can't really parse defensive metrics when it comes to, to first base or anything like that. Vlad looks like a good first baseman to me. Um, But that being said, I, I watch him about, you know, 99% of the time and the, the other first baseman in the AL about 1% of the time. So that's, that's really all I can contribute to, to that analysis.
2: Well, thing is there are no metrics that are any good for first base because the one thing they don't, none of them count for some reason, is how well they scoop throws. I mean, I get why they don't because it's impossible to judge like statistically what ones are easier moments are harder. So Vlad doesn't grade well,
0: but I mean, first base defense isn't that like eighty percent of it. Yeah, can can you bring the ball back to the bag before the runner gets there? But through whatever methodology you come up with. Yeah. So yeah. so I it's
2: hard to say whether he was more deserving than anybody who was considered but he was a deserving candidate and you know he played a really good first base he'd occasionally have these weird brain parts because that happens and the ball would go through his glove sometimes maybe the gold will help but
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the whole point of the award is to reinforce the glove with gold thread
2: exactly but he actually did he played a really good first base and it was kind of fun to see it
0: I enjoy a man who otherwise appears to be built in a a remarkably, you know, thick way who can do the splits without hesitation. Like every time it just blows my mind that he can do the full stretch. I I have pain in various areas Greg, when I when I watch him do that.
1: I have some great news for you Greg. You are going to love G Man Choi. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my goodness okay so that's the end of the pot Uh, hmm, that's a little short guys i think we're gonna have to do something else how about and i'm just going to propose this just off the top of my head how about we make up a whole bunch of categories uh in a year-end review and we go over our answers for each of them off the cuff
2: and we're going to make up listener ones too
0: well yeah obviously we're going to do the live looking at twitter and throw listener categories (laughs) on as they pop up because this is a live show like it always is um yeah (laughs) okay well, we'll we'll get to the listener ones later because we have to have time for people to submit them. We'll start with the preliminary categories, uh, which we've done in years past, and I, I think we're going to revisit the well on these these tried and true ones. The player we most enjoyed watching, um, Josh, who really warmed your heart, who made you you want to come down and sit and watch. Uh, I have
2: two answers for this because the two players, it was only one side of the ball. Mm. I loved watching Ryan Maltapia offensively. He's a terrible hitter, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just (laughs) chaos when he's up the plate or on the bases. Everything he does is just a little bit turned up to 11. A little bit turned up? That doesn't make any sense. But he's just really entertaining. He takes these massive cuts, and he's not very big. And then he does wild base running with his hair flying, and ah, it's just really fun to watch. And then Chapman on defense, because the Jays haven't had a good defensive third baseman like that in a long time.
0: Yeah, you got to go back. What, what was what was Donaldson's last year? Twenty sixteen.
2: Yeah. Well, no, twenty eighteen, but he wasn't as great third yeah. a third baseman by then. But it was just. It's not so much about the flash, which Chapman has, but just. How often he made really difficult plays look really easy.
0: Uh, my pick for my part is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, I, I like, you know, even even when he's having a down year at the plate, his attitude, his his uh, entertainment value in terms of enjoyment, both you know, watching him ape whatever the pitcher is doing or watching him uh, pimp a walk off single. Or, you know, watching him uh, in the dugout cheering his teammates on as he gets the jacket. All of those things were fun. I enjoy watching that kind of baseball. I I don't like the stodgy, you know, take myself very seriously, I've been here before thing. Nah, screw it. Act like it's your first day every day you get out there. Because otherwise, why did you spend all of your life learning how to play a kid's game for money? So, Vlad Jr. is my guy. Nick, who do you have?
1: Uh, Yeah, jumping off the kind of like entertainment value thing. George Springer for me, he does a lot of the the same things Vlad does in terms of like having fun and you know dancing in the dugout and stuff like that. He also is like always going all out when he's on the field. Like you'd see him bat with like a bionic arm brace on the, <laughs> the, <army laughs> the Spurs in, and then he'd go out to center field and like dive into the wall trying to make a catch. So well, uh, that's pretty entertaining to watch. Even that last game,
2: they which I'm sure will come up again at some point. He got hit the day before by Luis Castillo, which may have been intentional, but he still ran wrist first into the fence to make a catch. So he had a bit of that chaos energy on defense too. So I like that.
0: I I think what, what is being unsaid here by us, because, you know, we were asked to pick, um, pick someone and, and talk about them is that's hardly the only fun people to watch on this team. Like we probably all could have picked three different players. It, If anything worked for this team it was how entertaining it was even when they were on a rough stretch they were they were in a good mood about anything good that happened um which i think was was really different for uh for a blue jays team i think we've we've seen some teams that really got into navel gazing over the years and i'm thinking all the way back to like 2008 2009 ancient stuff so a fun season overall despite how it ended I mean, we could say that a lot of the time. Um, okay. <laughs> Player we least enjoyed watching because, you know, when comparing to Vlad Jr. and Ryan Maltapia and George Springer, uh, someone's going to come up wanting. For Nick, uh, who was that?
1: Uh, for me, it was Jose Barrios. Uh, I think the thing that made him so dependable and good for all those years up until 2022 was that, you know, you could send them out there every fifth day. He could log a lot of innings for you. And they continued to do that in 2022, but those were not often good innings. And Berrios got hit a lot. And it's not fun to watch because unlike a lot of other pitchers that get hit, they just kept going back to Berrios, uh, hoping he would figure it out. Yeah,
2: I, I, I was actually originally going to go with Berrios as my pick. For the exact same reason, it's just as when you watch guys who don't miss bats, and they just get hit and hit and hit, and even in his games he pitched well, he was a, a lot of rifles at people. It's just like, yeah. what? Like it was just really tough to enjoy his game. So. I, I, Originally, I had Brios, but then I picked Julian Merriweather because it was just so damn frustrating. Like, throw something that moves, you know, <laughs> change your fastball, cutter, sinker, something. Not this 97 straight down the middle every time. Change it up. You're not What's... throwing 101 anymore, so you're not doing well.
1: What's the deal? Why don't they send him to the Dunedin Pitching Lab or something? I
2: have no idea. He went down for a rehab assignment. He, he, he got hurt because he's Julian Merriweather. <laughs> Um and then he was in the minors for a bit before he came back. And I don't know why they didn't get him to work on it. He dominated the minors because minor leaguers can't hit at good velocity as well. That's why they're in the minors. But yeah, it's like give him something because it does not work in the major leagues.
0: Um on the vein of the opposite of just throw something, don't throw anything down the middle, throw something. I, I picked Yusei Kikuchi because good lord. It's a fastball. You should be able to find the strike zone with your fastball if called upon, even if you have to throw it right down the middle, because I think Yusei Kikuchi's pitches do move enough to survive the down the middle thing. And he couldn't do it. He had better control of his breaking pitches nine times out of ten than he did his fastball. I don't understand how you could be a professional for this long Professional pitcher throwing 96, 97 miles an hour, and you can't throw your fastball for strikes. Infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. Okay. <laughs> uh favorite moment though. Now I, I think I think we should decide for sure what what the best moment was here. Uh Josh, what do you have? the best well, what your we- <laughs> favorite your favorite what what you know we, we can change someone's mind here if we have to
2: Okay. for me it was Alec Manoa's appearance in the all-star game <laughs> yes I think it's I think we, we've been doing this episode I don't know for five or six years and I think I picked all-star appearances things for three or four of them
1: <laughs> but oh no
2: <laughs> there was a lot of great stuff from the Jays this year I could have picked the, the 28 run game or the 29 runs against the Red Sox 28 I could have I, I, I could have picked Bo's go ahead home run against the homophobe for the Rays but instead I like Alex was coming out party in the All-Star game when he was mic'd up and just carving through the National League All-Stars and it was just a just an absolute thrill to watch that.
0: Three punches. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, obviously you're going to be completely on board with this since he illustrated how great a moment that was.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it w- I thought I was great too. Just because the Jays did get to the playoffs this year uh, after you know the kind of the heartbreak of getting eliminated the last day of the season last year, for me, I'd say the the Jays clinching the the wild card was was probably the the best moment for me. And it's always fun you see them celebrating and you get all the quotes. You know Brian Schneider's never don't celebrate this and yeah, it's it's you know it's, Brian, Brian Schneider. Brian Schneider. <laughs> Schneider? <laughs> oh, sorry, John, John Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say that was my that was my favorite moment because, you know, you were reminded how how few seasons do end in in making the playoffs. Uh, So 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 that was it for me. I do have a question for you about that, though. That
0: was not a clinch celebration that had anything to do with what the Blue Jays did on the field. They they clinched, then they went out and they won a game and then they had a big party. Yeah. How, how would you have felt if they had lost by one run or gotten blown out in that game and then went and had a big party?
1: <laughs> ah, it doesn't. Uh, they, it's, it's, it's a long <laughs> season. Let them have the party. They, you know, they, they, the team collectively probably drank less beer in that day than like a rec hockey team drinks in a weekend. Like, they, they deserve to enjoy themselves. Right, Almost certainly enough. true.
0: The most surreal moment... You didn't you didn't weigh in, Greg. Oh no, All-Star Game. I'm with you hundred percent. I'm I'm oh, okay. I can't believe Nick is on Clinching the Wild card. I I think Alec Mano in the All-Star Game is uh it showcased that the Blue Jays were fun, that they were young, and that they were, you know, ready to take on anybody. It was it was but, perfect.
2: Yeah. Just before you move on. <laughs> Originally my thought for this answer was to oscar's home run to go up eight to one <laughs> <in the game laughs>
1: two.
0: but i thought no can't put that no no that that wound is still too fresh it's uh yeah we'll get there most surreal moment and then i made like five one but whatever yeah <laughs> most surreal moment um josh go ahead
2: um yeah so <laughs> i have to say this the way i wrote it the the game-tying double against the against the Mariners in the wild card. The, the double that went, loaded. Uh, what,
0: 130 feet?
1: Yeah. That, um, yeah. Well,
0: it's, yeah 100, it, it's, it's 110 just, to second base.
1: There needs to be a way to score something like that so it's not a double. I don't know how you would score it, but we so need to we, petition Major League Baseball to change how that's scored.
2: I have to share some inside baseball. We have a little, we make a document. It's not live on like joke right, at the front of the podcast. Where we write these down. And I wrote Game Time Double versus Seattle. And Nick responded, Don't you dare call that a double, Josh.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, he's
2: right because it's insane to call that a double. For me, it's it's just the the moment when 50,000 people went silent.
1: Yeah, it's so uh, the randomness of the universe manifesting itself in professional <laughs> baseball.
2: I don't even know how to follow that. That's perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, we're going to move on to my most surreal moment, because uh, the Blue Jays, way back in July, because I don't want to think about that thing that happened after the season, Um, the, they scored 10 runs with two outs after someone dropped a pop-up in Boston which was not in the same inning as an inside-the-park Grand Slam, which would have qualified for my most surreal moment, except that this happened later. And the Blue Jays scored 28 runs. But I do, I've never seen anything as weird as, oh, there's a drop pop-up. Well, obviously, the... the <laughs> The universe, the randomness of the baseball universe, has decided that the thing that's going to happen because you drop that pop up is is a, a double digit run tally.
2: So that was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen because I, I joined that. I st- I was doing something. I, I don't even remember what. Maybe having dinner, and I turned on that game when it was like eight three or something. So I, or whatever the end of the score was before that inning. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell did I turn on here? What is going on? Yeah, that was that was special. The Red Sox, man, that defense was bad,
0: it was amazing, just amazing. So, uh, biggest breakout, I will start with the biggest breakout just to bother the two of you Danny Jansen. Gosh, I thought he'd never break out. But apparently he did. <laughs> he keeps getting hurt, but I will I'll acknowledge he broke out at the age of ripe right, old age of what? 27?
2: 28. Um obviously his breakout was guaranteed.
1: Yeah. Right, Nick? We've been we've been <laughs> wishing for it for years.
2: Mm. Promising it, Nick. Prom- <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: no, promising, wishing, same thing. <laughs> and
2: it, it is 27. Next year's the 28 season. Um Yeah, I I, I hard to argue with that that he did. He definitely did break out. Um, I put Kirk there with him, the two catchers, because Kirk broke out. I I had to go with Kirk in some sense, because last year on this episode, I promised him I was going to go with Kirk this year. So, but I think it's true. I, you know, he stayed healthy for pretty much the entire year. And yeah, he posted a 372 0 base percentage, which led the team. Uh, and he played way better defense than anybody expected. So yeah, Alejandro Kirk. Nick.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't disagree. The catchers, I think, both really did break out. Just to, to add somebody on the pitching side, I think I personally wasn't expecting Alec Manoa to have the kind of season he had. And I think if we were having this conversation this time last year, we'd probably be talking about him in, in a little bit of a different light. I think we all thought he was going to contribute and be a, be a good pitcher. But, I mean, he had an ERA under two and a half in 200 innings. Under two and a quarter. (laughs) Two and a quarter, right, yeah. So, like, that's, I mean, I don't think we should expect almost anybody to put up those kinds of numbers year after year, but um, he's really established himself in the front of the rotation in a way I don't think I was expecting coming into the year.
2: I think that's hard to argue against, too. Like, it's an objectively he broke out in a big way. I mean, he, he broke out a bit last year. But then he just took another level, another step forward this year, especially with the innings and just being able to go that deep in the season. Um, He finished second in the American League in innings or third. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. Amazing job by Manoa.
1: Um,
0: I was also going to bring up the innings with Manoa. So I'm glad you pointed that out because I think that's the part that – that maybe we would have thought at the beginning of the season was going to be a problem was it was going to be like okay well you're doing great but the Blue Jays have had lots of times where they've limited uh or tried to limit in- innings you know late in the season to try and make sure someone was in good shape and manoa just didn't even think twice about it uh the biggest disappointment gosh i see the same name showing up a lot here um nick were you were you disappointed in in someone on this team <laughs>
1: Yeah, I not to not to drag Barrios too much, but he he had a pretty bad year um and you know they were really counting on him to be one of the the anchors of the rotation uh, and aside from well he was an anchor healthy, in the sense that yeah. he kind of dragged <laughs> it downwards.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. no, I I mean I think you know like a lot of people who follow the Jays it's like what are the next 5 years going to look like cuz you know we're, they're committed to him uh for a while so hopefully he, he can turn it around 6 ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i don't know did you, i i mean you know i i'm not able to ascertain any like what what happened he he was one of the most consistent pitchers in baseball and like josh said like he was just getting getting hit so hard like what what's what, what what's wrong i Look, if we could answer that, we would be doing something other than recording this podcast.
2: <laughs> his strikeout rate just plummeted, despite no tangible change in his stuff. Uh, was it just bad location all year? Was it pitch mix? Was he tipping? It could have been any kind of thing. He led the league in earned runs allowed. So, his ERA, like, just raw. He gave 100 earned runs. He was the, had the worst ERA among qualified pitchers in baseball. He led the league in hits allowed. And his strikeout rate, like I said, it plummeted. It was a career low in, well, in the number of games he pitched. He had had lower only in shorter seasons. So
0: I I totally agree.
2: (laughs) He was just absolutely disappointing.
0: It remains to be seen, obviously. But there is such a thing as a career worst year. Maybe he just had it and he makes the adjustments which can't be that huge, right? Because his stuff is yeah. still there. It's not like he lost well, three miles an hour on his fastball and, oh, well, he's obviously hurt, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah, I mean, statistically, you would expect he's not going to do this again because he has been, as Nick said, so consistently good for ever since he broke into the major. Well, okay, no, he had an eight ERA as a rookie, but that doesn't really count. Ever, ever in his Since he established himself as a full-time big leaguer at age 23, he has been almost exactly the same pitcher every year. Until this year.
0: Like, so both well, of you agree, agree? Burrios, if he was hurt, you'd see it in his movement or his velocity and you don't. Um, well,
2: not necessarily. Right. Eh. Uh, yes. But also if it's just like a minor thing that he's not trusting his ability to throw a ball to a certain spot without some kind of pain that could affect it. I mean, it could be all anything. They, for example, like Dustin McGowan, before he had the the, the, the disastrous injuries, his stuff was the same, but his command was all over the place because he was dealing with something. Like elbow injuries specifically, more are, are typically more lo- location related than stuff. And then knees and other body parts. It's just shoulder ones where you really, really see different dips in their in their uh, in their metrics.
0: Cool. Um, I'm gonna move to my biggest disappointment, which was Ryan Mel Tapia. Um, the report replacement- <laughs> What are you
2: expecting from Tapia? <laughs>
0: Well, okay, this is the thing. He was supposed to be a an adept or decent left-handed option in the outfield. Uh he was hyped up as having you know, obviously, you know, maybe a little more power, uh a little more uh, than he had had in years past. Um and I think he was, you know, supposed to be a decent base stealer and I don't know that Raimont Tappy did any of those things well as advertised. <laughs>
2: Um. yeah, the weird thing for me is that he just stopped walking. Last year he walked 40 times in, well, maybe, maybe not. It's actually, the plate appearance difference makes it not as bad, but still 40 times in 533 versus 16 in 433. Like, that's still a big difference in walk rate. Um, but otherwise, yeah, he is kind of what he is. <laughs> He's not very good.
1: Yeah, he looks like like you know he was never like a average offensive player or anything he's always kind of been like you know hit 270 not walk very much not hit for much power yeah and playing in course right yeah i
0: i, I guess when they traded for him i i we might have just well kept randall grichuk you know at least he was he had that that handsome look when he dove and missed balls in the outfield. Um what are you talking
2: about Richard. Fabulous is the best when he's diving and missing balls, man. <laughs> yeah. When
0: he knocks the wind out of himself, yeah, that's awesome. All right. Oh, do I have to do the next category, Josh? Am I contractually obligated? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it says rock yes. bottom
0: here. Uh, Josh, what, what was? In case people haven't figured eight to it one. out, yeah, they, they were.
2: They were up eight to one in the postseason go winner, like elimination game for them,
1: and they freaking lost. <laughs> There's no oh. lower bottom than that, even though you're Josh, in the postseason. Josh, not up eight to one. Up eight to one in the sixth inning.
2: No, they didn't make it to the sixth up eight sixth one, to did fifth? they? Oh bottom, no, no, yep. they did, because Gossman was into the sixth. Yep. Oh yeah, they scored the eighth run in the bottom. Of, oh my God, that. Ugh.
0: Oh. Wow, we made it worse for Josh while we were reviewing it. That's cool. <laughs> and then,
2: and then after the the nonsense, they were still up nine to nine six eight. with two outs. No, no, nine to six. Yeah. With two outs in the
0: in the 8th inning and loss. <laughs> they scored an insurance run. 9-8.
1: Oh my god.
0: It's amazing. It was just amazing. Yeah. And there were... and John Schneider did the right thing. He went to Jordan Romano for as many outs as he could possibly get out of him and it still didn't freaking work.
2: Yeah, it was 9 to 5 when the inning started. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, if you, if your bullpen can't get you uh More outs and runs at any point. Mm. Yeah. It's over. Uh, Yeah. I have no, I have nothing to add really.
2: I
1: mean, there's no other answer, right? No. I mean, I don't know, Josh, if you saw it, but Josh and I went to the game together and I got like about 50 text messages with a picture of Josh and I. I sent it to you. (laughs) real, Real sad on Sportsnet uh I, I think it was probably eight six around i'm guessing it was eight or no it was nine six at, it was nine six yeah, yeah so it was
2: when carlos santana was up against romano i'm sitting. it's really funny i'm standing there with my arms crossed just stony faced and you've got your hands above your mouth just all nervous and worried and we were and yeah. we were right
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we were correct yes that's so so true all right enough of rock bottom what was your biggest surprise nick
1: Oh, wait, no, that's <laughs> yeah, it's it's that they didn't win that game. I mean, you, you, like, you know, I, I remember I met up uh, with my my brother after and a couple of his friends. and to try to put the positive spin on it, their comment was, "Hey, at least we can say we saw something historic. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that that kind of playoff loss doesn't doesn't happen very often. so i I mean, ever. <sighs> Yeah, it was like they yeah.
2: were the first home playoff team to ever blow a 7-run lead. Yeah. So I mean,
1: I have we a hot take. we were literally talking about it. Like we're yeah. talking about the Sunday game, like what was going to happen the next day and here we I are. I have I have a hot take as strange as it is. The Blue Jays
0: who was starting the next game? Stripling. So Ross Stripling starting versus I don't know, who was someone fantastic for Seattle?
2: Wilbur George. I don't know. The Jays, the Seattle offense is bad. <laughs> right? Like, they really? don't have any good hitter. Is it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> the Jays like bullpen
2: it. was just worse in that game. No, like, I absolutely believe that Ross Sipling against Logan Gilbert is was basically a coin flip, even without Springer. Now, without Springer against Houston, <laughs> they would have got destroyed.
0: Well, Blue Jays managed to get themselves the privilege of being the first person to eliminate someone on the way to getting eliminated by Houston. Because they got eliminated by Seattle. Seattle got eliminated by New York. New York got eliminated by Houston. Presumably, you know, we're just going to continue. Presumably
2: what? Phillies are going to win this damn series.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Biggest surprise was they didn't win that game for you, Josh. Surely you can steer us away from the debacle that was the end of the season.
2: Well, what's funny is that this debacle is going to take us right back to games against Seattle because,
0: because, uh, it, yeah, it was just that
2: Charlie Montoyo didn't even make it out of June. I thought that once he entered the season, it would have had to go way, way wrong for him to get fired, and they were still in a wild card position when he was fired. But they weren't playing that well. I think they were five games over 500 or something like that, and objectively. Things were going very poorly, especially in that in that Mariner series. But uh, I just didn't see it coming. But well, let me say that I wouldn't. I never would have predicted that before the season. At the time, it seemed very likely to happen.
0: Yeah, and well, we said that I think in the preseason we said the Charlie Montoya was their guy. Obviously, not anymore. Uh, my biggest surprise was that the Jays beat the Red Sox to a pulp in a way no team has ever beat the Red Sox to a pulp. Not in one series, not at home, not away, just pretty much up and down the schedule. They just destroyed the Red Sox. It was I would, I was not expecting that. I was you know expecting Baltimore would not be that great and that to be the punching bag, but no, not at all.
2: Yeah. I mean it's so, really fun being able to say that. To the point where <laughs> where uh where Joey Joey, Alex Cora, was out saying, like, hey, if we flipped our record against the, Red, the Jays, we'd be in the postseason. Like, well, that's how bad it was. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's how much worse they were, you were than us. Figure it out. They weren't a bad team either. Like, they weren't terrible. They, they finished a few games under 500, right? Like, it's not like they were the Tigers or something.
0: No, that's why he could say yeah. something like that. Yeah.
1: And who do we love more than our listeners? Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. How does that
0: sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, we could repeat the category over and over again. First category from our lovely <laughs> listeners is most ridiculous hit play catch. That is from uh, Sad About Sports at Split Letters suggested this category. Most ridiculous play, Nick. You go. Okay.
1: You guys want me to go first? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Uh, so for me, it was the game. I think it was in was it in May where Vlad had already gotten like three extra base hits off Garrett Cole, and then his fourth was this like home run that he yanked. It had to be like a foot on the inside of the plate, and he still hit it out of Yankee Stadium, which obviously it's Yankee Stadium, but it was crazy. Like to the point, Cole was even exasperated and like tipped his hat to to Vlad.
2: well, yeah, and he tipped his flat on a, on a double. That whole game would fit for this answer. But the, he hit three home runs and a double on a pitch that was a fastball at 99 at the bottom of the zone on the outside corner. And he hit two um, of
0: them with a hand that had been stepped on.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's so,
0: right. Yeah, he yeah. got
2: his hand stepped on. Yeah, two home runs and a double after his hand was stepped on. So that was a, that's a very good
0: answer. <laughs> What do you uh, got, Greg? My pick was uh, Chapman's backhanded flip to start a double play in Boston. I First to get to the ball, as he did. And again, you this clip is on YouTube. You just look up Chapman's backhanded flip. A- and then he, I, I don't know how to describe it. He extended his arm, almost no look towards second base in a flick. The ball went exactly where it was supposed to be. And... It was the exact opposite of everything the Red Sox had done defensively in the whole series. So I guess it was magnified. Uh, but it's it's one of those plays, it's just like, okay, there is no practice for, for you know, spin around and then backhand the ball 15 feet to second base. It's it's just not possible. What do you have, Perfect. Josh?
2: I, I sort of take this as a most ridiculous was sort of the one that made me say, Wow. And it was the first time a runner tried to steal a base off Gabriel Moreno. It was a caught stealing in quotation marks because Bo Bichette dropped the ball. But he got the ball there so fast. 1.81 second pop time, which was which would have been among the best in baseball. Him and Raild Muto would have been 1-2. And it was just sort of like, oh, my God, that's the skills we've been hearing about. Because the Jays haven't had a catcher who's thrown like that ever. Even Russell Martin, when he was at his best, did not have a pop time like that. So... That was unbelievable to see. And then Bulbush had dropped the balls. Come
0: on.
1: Keep them all. Keep them all. Catchers yeah. get hurt. Keep all three of them. Right.
2: Nice sure. leading to the next question.
0: The Bon Voyage, a player that is widely loved, that is destined to no longer be a Blue Jay, from Prairie Jays at Jays Prairie. Uh, my question mark pick is Santiago Espinal. Um, he didn't have a fantastic season, but he has, like, as a trade target, obviously. He he has utility around the infield. Uh, he can hit a little bit. He should probably be walking more, but what can you do? Maybe he gets packaged up with someone else. I'm not really sure. It is it is always tough to get my uh, my future-seeing goggles on and get them fitted right, so you never know. Uh, Josh?
2: This one's actually not a bad pick because he's... Well, with Whit Merrifield in tow next year for $6.75 million, he kind of seems like he's probably going to be the everyday second baseman unless he's getting a lot of time in center. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I still think that there's a chance a catcher goes. So I put Kirk or Teoscar if, that they're, if they're making a move to move it to right. I, it's really tough to pick someone here because there's really a good chance that Jays just run it back. <laughs> I actually think Nick's choice here is the one that makes the most sense.
1: Well, it's just he's a free agent. and yeah <laughs> in, in, in stripling. Uh, yeah, it, he's a free agent, so least likely to come back. Q-O, I don't think he's
2: coming oh I don't think he's getting a qualified <laughs> so.
1: so what why what is what's the thinking there, Josh? because like why not if if it's money for one year, it's not going tie them, you know, it's not going to tie them up long term. Because they might not have a lot of money to spend this year. This is their
2: year where they're the tightest budget. Next year, they got a few guys coming off the books. Um, In Ryu, they've got Chapman, they've got Teoscar. That's like $50 million off the books right there. So if their goal is to upgrade the rotation, if they give $18 million or just upgrade the team, if they give $18 million to Stripling, they might not have anything left.
1: I mean... It's probably going to be pretty tough to fill a bunch of holes with $18 million anyway.
2: Well, not literally anything, but not yeah. they might not have much left. And then if Stripling turns back, you know, he's they didn't even trust him to go three times through an order, right? So it's hard to to tie up 50% of your offseason budget in that guy. That's why I don't think they'll do it.
0: Zach Greinke approved of the strategy, apparently. To Stripling's face. He's like, I like mm-hmm. the way they're using you. He goes, Really? He goes, Yeah, they don't let you face him a third time. Uh um, <laughs> <he's> the best. <laughs> Truth hurts. Most consistent position player from Al at Ellie Ellie Hart. Uh, Josh. This is a fantastic question
2: because the Jays offense was so inconsistent all year. The answer is actually probably Lourdes Guriel, but he got hurt, so he doesn't get to keep it. But so I went with Springer, who was not his best self but he was still pretty good pretty much all year hitting for some power like less power than normal but still getting on base and still you know when he was healthy too everyone else just seemed to have huge ups and downs uh
0: nick you and you and i have the same pick here vlad jr
1: yeah, I I, I want to say though, like thinking with it, is Chapman the answer? Like, was he? Chapman no? also had
0: big swings. Yeah, he <clears> throat> started throat> off real cold, had a big hot streak in the middle, and then died again at the end. It was very strange.
1: Really. He seemed yeah. to be swinging through uh, fastballs most of the season consistently. So um, the reason the reason I said <laughs> I went with with Springer, he only had one month where he was below 700
2: OPS, and that's when he right before he went on the IL. Um, let's see Chapman's month month per month, month by month OPS. So <laughs> here's Chapman's month a month by month. 712, 571, 851, 1095, <laughs> 685, Not just, consistent.
1: Yeah. So I yeah. couldn't be more wrong. That's why you don't go with your <laughs> that's why you don't go with your gut. That's, that's
2: true.
0: Yeah, th- there was nobody on this team who was good all year round. Like it, we could have just picked Bo and said Please, please, that would been com- look- completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he was consistent for five months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Vlad is
2: actually a very good answer because he, aside from oh, wait, no, maybe he wasn't. Yeah, no, Vlad was mostly good. He had a couple bad months, but he was mostly the same guy otherwise. So that's that's not a bad answer from you guys. All right.
0: Um from previous years, we also have listener categories. We have, of course, Josh's favorite. Would you would you like to you're gonna criticize my pronunciation, so away you go.
2: It's bona fide or bonifacio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now explain Bonafide fide or bonifacio for those who don't understand that reference whatsoever.
2: Yeah, yeah it's actually Bonafide fide or bonifacio. It's <laughs> it's a joke from this started on like ESPN's fantasy focus baseball podcast. And then there was a stinger where it's like, the guy's like, bona fide. They're like, "Uh, it's bona fide? You're welcome. (laughs) It's (laughs) really silly thing. But the concept is the guy whose performance is real and you can take it forward. And the guy whose performance is a bit of a mirage and you're expecting a step back.
0: Especially a veteran with a, I read this definition, especially a veteran who had a track record as being something and appears to be very good that season. That's the ultimate bona
2: Sure, but the A.J.'s don't have enough guys for that. So we, we take it a little more liberally. Just think, is the breakout real or not?
1: Nick. Yeah, Bonafide. so for Bonafide, I put Alejandro Kirk. He's kind of owned those offensive skills throughout his time in the minor leagues, so it's not super surprising to see him put it together like that in the majors. And for Bonifacio, I said Alec Manoa, not because I, I think he's going to be anything less than a really good pitcher but it's just you know a two and a quarter ERA is that's like peak pedro martinez so i i'm not going to expect that going forward well that's
2: actually a really good comp to what we did last year both of us picked robbie ray as our bonifacio last year and it was the same concept like not that we thought he was going to be bad because he it was just not do that again and he was he he had a 371 era but 284 with toronto so i think that's kind of what you're saying again right
0: yeah exactly So my bonafide is Ross Stripling, which is a, it's a, it's a, it's a chancy pick, but I think he has now basically for two years done more than we would expect of him and has been used again, as we said, in that way where he doesn't face the order a third time. So he is very, very good in the roles he's been pressed into. So I gave Ross all the credit for that. My Bonifacio.
1: It's Danny Jansen. Just to upset the two of you. Yeah, yeah. You're you're talking to two people who don't want to hear any of that. You're uh, cut,
0: Greg.
2: Nick yeah. and I are taking over the podcast.
0: I figure four years of a of an OPS somewhere in the low 700s is is a sign uh, that this year was was his Bonifacio year. But we shall see. You're
1: saying he's not going to pace for 50 home runs next year?
0: I am saying that <laughs> with, with all of my all of my simolians here. <laughs> I'm not.
1: <laughs>
2: Josh, bonafide. Um, so I, I I had the same bonafide as as Nick. I agree with Kirk, and, and for the exact same reasons that the skills have been. This is what he was supposed to be hitting for a good average, and hitting for a good on, and getting on base a lot. And Leading the
0: team in infield hits, obviously, that's what you want to do. <laughs>
2: of course, the power was a little down, but I mean the the exit losses were still good. So, and then the defense, the skills looked like they should be good for framing. The year before, his numbers weren't as good, but I didn't really understand that watching the way he receives the ball. And this year, it was much better. I think it's just more about learning the pitchers because he, he worked so much with Manoa, for example. He knew exactly how his balls move so he could receive them better. And for Bonifacio, I picked Anthony Bass. Um, not because, again, I, I think Bass is a fine reliever. And he made a tangible change to his pitch mix, throwing way more sliders than he used to. But he just doesn't like, – he gets more strikeouts than almost any other chase reliever. But he's not enough of a power reliever that I can trust him to be throwing up sub-two ERAs. I, I just – I can't see that happening again.
0: Yeah, it is the ultimate, I think, demonstration of, of reliever volatility. Like sometimes a guy has, you know, 50 innings that put his ERA under two. That does not make him a two ERA pitcher. So I I, I agree with your Anthony Bass assessment. Because he is not throwing 100 miles an hour, and some guys who were throwing 100 miles an hour are not sub two ERA either. Most overlooked contribution. I am going to go with Gabriel Moreno. Why am I doing that? Because just for me, when 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 you had your when Danny Jansen got injured those times, and you called up a catcher, you didn't really lose the flexibility that you had using Kirk at DH. I mean, you had the third catcher emergency situation. But in a short period of time, the first time he came up, Moreno got on base a lot, even though he didn't have power. We know he had excellent defensive skills. It's tough to have the third catcher not be a huge drop-off. And Gabriel Moreno was not. And absolutely, Danny Jansen was hurt twice for you know decent periods of time. So I think that contribution was important to the stability of the both the, the offense and the pitching staff.
2: I don't think anybody who watched Zach Collins try to catch could disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You're the worst catcher I've ever seen.
0: So yeah, kudos to Gabriel Moreno. We I did notice you. Uh who did you notice, Nick?
1: Uh I picked uh Yimmy Garcia just because, you know, as frustrating as an end to the season the the Blue Jays bullpen had, they really weren't that bad during the year and they were leaned on pretty heavily at at points during the year too uh, so I felt he was for my money probably the second best reliever in the bullpen um, if you needed you know I think if Romano had gone down for any amount of time like Garcia would have stepped into close so for me he's kind of one of the more overlooked guys fair enough Josh
2: yeah um, it's funny I, I think that Garcia really stepped up and, and he was so key, especially down that stretch there. David Phelps had a, the same strikeout rate and a lower ERA. <laughs> um, wow. David Phelps gave up more than one run three times all year. He pitched 65 times, many times more than doing multiple innings. And, he, and of those 65 times, he gave up zero runs in 50, 48 of them which is pretty good for a reliever. Um, And he just wasn't the leverage reliever. He he was rarely pitching in the eighth or ninth inning like Garcia was. So the impact wasn't as visible. I'm not saying he was as good as Garcia because Garcia was pitching in higher leverage, but this is like an overlooked category. Phelps was really, really good for the Blue Jays this year, but just not one of their key guys. So people probably weren't aware of it.
1: Why do you think it was they They didn't pitch him in much in leverage? Was it just like he walks more people? or
2: I think that's part of it. His, his walk rate was pretty high this year. So um, it's, hard, it's hard to see. I mean, his walk rate was 11%, which is not good for a reliever. But who knows? I, they just didn't. I mean, they on the days when other guys weren't available, they were fine using him there. But that wasn't his main role. Maybe it's because of his ability to go more than an inning, which he did 14 times.
0: We have uh, next the best, worst, first impression for the first time. I think we have a genuine consensus on the best first impression, which was Kevin Gaussman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you start it, off, start off a whole month going, you know what? I'm just
1: not going to walk anybody. In
0: addition to being yeah, awesome, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's 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 a testament to how good Gosman was that the Jays lost the reigning Cy Young winner, and it didn't feel like the rotation. Took a step backwards at all in terms of that 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 role, and, and like Gosman just was every bit as good as as Ray was, I think.
2: Yeah, better I would say, but um, yeah. or maybe not. Well, you mean as good as Ray was last year? In which case, I would totally yeah. agree. But uh yeah, I mean, especially like you said, first impression. Through his first five starts, he gave up zero walks and zero home
0: runs. That's. Right. It's a man in control he, of his own destiny. That's what that is. He didn't, he didn't give up a home run until his eighth start.
1: Okay, so my, my theory is the BABIP gods saw Gossman <laughs> not walking anybody, not giving up home runs, and they're like, we got to mess with him somehow. And
2: then, <laughs> this just isn't right. Like it's, yeah, <laughs>
1: this just, isn't. No, no, we got to
0: gotta mess with him. They smited and, him from above with, yeah. with, with the slow dribbler and the, and the perfectly placed two hopper. Uh, I mean,
2: that's the only only reason that makes sense for what actually happened with his (laughs) batting average on balls in play.
0: So now we go to worst first impression. Uh, I went off the board here with Anthony Banda. Now, technically, it was not a first impression because his first appearance with the Blue Jays upon call-up was uh, one hit in a one-inning stint, and that went just fine. But then his second impression was a walk and... Two hits uh, and two runs allowed. A bit of an inning, taking a loss versus Seattle. Let's get back to Seattle again. Uh, and then he immediately followed up that by giving up a dinger in an inning against the Royals of all teams. So, uh, yeah, that's that's Anthony Banda. Come in to, to shore up the bullpen and to fail abysmally in doing so is how I felt about it at the time. You guys didn't think hey. of Banda, though. You thought it was a much worse offender.
2: You know why I didn't think it was Banda? I forgot he existed. So that (laughs) means his impression couldn't have been that strong. (laughs) But there was someone you
0: couldn't forget about.
2: (laughs) No, Mitch White. Uh, I really liked Mitch White. I thought the acquisition was good. I hated the price because I actually think Frasso's reports are unbelievable. But he's just... He had nothing. In t- he was like he was like Jose Barrios, but worse. Where it's like he had stuff that you could see, but he couldn't miss bats with it. He only struck out twenty one. or sorry, no, yeah, I had that wrong. The wrong sample there. But he struck out thirty one guys in forty three innings with the Blue Jays, and he just got hit hard. His ERA with the team, he gave up thirty seven runs in forty three innings, which is just
0: awful. Yeah, and he, yeah, he kept getting thrown out there because he was the you know he was the answer to the rotation problem whoops we, <laughs> they can't all
1: be russ stripling
0: i guess is is what we should call him
1: although but, stripling didn't have a great debut with the jays did he like he no no yeah no, so, so let's let's hope white uh repeats that trend and and settles in after a a winter with in the pitching lab in dunedin yeah but and also so he had
2: he only got three home runs with the blue jays right he also had some bad bad luck um But that's what happens when you don't miss bats. Like Gassman having that happen when he gets so many strikeouts is insane. It was literally like every time the ball went in play, it was a hit. Mitch White just gave up too much contact. So a lot of crap went for hits.
0: Uh, Fair enough. Uh, Most pleasant surprise is our next category. Um, Who surprised you, Josh?
2: Stripling. Uh, None. uh, he was the guy that carried that rotation for a stretch there, because I mean, especially with how bad Barrios was, which we've established, and Kikuchi, and then Mariu was hurt. They had two starters. They had Gausman and Manoa, and they needed someone to step up, and he did in a huge way. His ERA on the season was under three, so. I've I've liked some of what Ross Stripling has done. We talked about how good he was in the middle of last season before he got hurt, and actually he ended up at three hundred one. So not under three, but yeah, I, I never saw that coming. I never thought he'd be that good.
0: Most pleasant surprise for me was, uh, and Nick appears to share this opinion,
1: Danny Jansen. Betrayal, Nick. Well, here's see. I I knew you would say that, Josh. So I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to caveat it. I've always believed in Danny Jansen. I've always thought he was going to be a good player do I think we would be advocating for him to take DH at bats when someone else was catching? Maybe that's the surprising part. Like, okay. you know, <laughs> that, yeah, like, like they, they were like literally in that wild card series, like Kirk's catching Manoa, you still have to get Jansen in there. Uh, and, and that, that was a surprise to me. I, I didn't think he, I didn't think he'd hit quite as good as, as he did this year. Okay. I'm sorry, Josh. I'm sorry. It's I okay. mean, I,
0: I was surprised <laughs> to Danny Jansen because I've been, I've been the naysayer on this podcast and I can't, I can't break mm. character at this late stage. Right. Um, it's like, Oh, another month with a 1000 OPS, I guess something is actually happening here. I can, I cannot avert my eyes from the glowing orb that is Danny Jansen in, I think it was May. Um, yeah. Guy hits with a lot of power, pulls the ball with authority, and appears to handle the pitching staff really well Uh, the only thing that doesn't surprise me is he got hurt twice again um maybe next year he will surprise me that way the melt downingest relief pitcher in the last of our listener categories uh at josh
2: i i mean considering what i said up top Julie (laughs) merriweather he gave up multiple runs in a quarter of his outings well, twenty percent, twenty percent of his outings—that's tough to get past. And in, in in those multiple run outings, one of them was five runs, and one of them was three runs in a t- combined two thirds of an inning. He just sucked. He didn't get strikeouts, which is what you at least expect him to do, even if he's not, even if he's getting hitting, getting hit hard. He should still miss bats when he's not getting hit, and he wasn't doing that. So, this Merriweather for me. Uh, Nick,
1: yeah, I'd say say Meriwether too. Although Josh's twenty twenty percent uh, multiple run outings, at least he was consistent about it. You knew what you're getting when he was going. <laughs> <to play.
0: laughs> Do you remember remember Drew Drew Storen two scoring? Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's where we are with Meriwether. So yeah. my gut said Trevor Richards, and I know he improved at the ending of the season, but I felt like going to Trevor Richards early when the Jays were already down multiple times resulted in a walk followed by a home run. And and more than once, that's not just a fluke. That's just too much for me. Um he was supposed to be the guy who got you to the next inning and what he was was he, he got you buried deeper in a hole and I was like, "Oh my god."
2: <laughs> and <laughs> and also worry, with Rich- with with Richards, he had that stretch where he was quite good when he came back from the from the IL. Mhm. And then he had four disaster out in September, so uh, it's not a bad pick either. Yeah, I'm not,
0: I'm not wrong. Wrong. I'm just there's just a debate about how bad he is. Nick. All right. Oh, did Nick win? Yeah, Nick went. Nick. You, Nick oh, chimed yeah. in with you. He piled have... on the Merryweather train. Um, all right, we're gonna go to the final categories. These are these are the undisputed uh, picks for the following. Uh, I don't think we need to linger over these per se. The hitter of the year. I had George Springer. Josh?
2: That's an interesting one, considering he was hurt for still only playing 130 games, but uh, I'm with Kirk. Who only played 139 games, so I guess that kind of takes my argument out of the way.
0: (laughs) Nick?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm with Kirk too, just because I think they both had an awesome year. Springer had a great year too, but just how Kirk's profile fit with this Jays team like he was one of the only players who walked a lot you know he he has he took better at bats more patience um he didn't strike out much that that player i think really helped the Jays because you hear i feel like a lot of people now are talking about they need different hitters with different profiles whether that's lefties or you know high on base guys or whatever and i think Kirk helps them in in all those ways. So that's why I went with him over Springer. All right. I, I agree.
0: Acqu- I will acquiesce. I will just say that as the Blue Jays went, so George Springer went. So, you know, that's got to be worth something. Uh, worst hitter. Well,
1: this is a shorter conversation.
0: Nick, <laughs> Nick. There's only one answer
1: to this. <laughs> Nick's a good defensive center fielder. <laughs> and fast.
2: Yeah. So, okay. So Bradley Zimmer is obviously the answer we're coming to here. I agree with you, Nick. I thought he should have been on the on the postseason roster over Jackie Bradley Jr.
1: Who also well, cannot hit. Neither of them were playing when the Jays were were uh, up in the line. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's enough about Bradley Zimmer if we're gonna have to go there. All right. Picture of the year.
2: Hold on a second. We gotta talk about how bad Zimmer was for a okay. second.
1: Just... Hey, he could get a World Series rig, couldn't he?
2: Um yeah, he did play nine games with the Phillies. Yeah. Um he had he hit 101 with a 200 on base and a 213 slugging.
1: I mean, you like the separation between the average and the on base.
2: <laughs> <laughs> when you have no batting average, I guess that makes yeah. it a little easier. But also, the funniest thing about Zimmer is that up until the very last game of the season. He had only had one RBI for the Blue Jays that was not himself. He had three RBIs, and
0: two of them were on home runs. Clutch. So clutch. Not great. (laughs) No, not great. Okay. Can I go to pitcher of the year now that we've stewed in Bradley Zimmer? I say Alec Manoa, because lots of innings, two and a quarter ERA – Even without the strikeouts there, man, I wanted Alec Manoa on the mound every single time that a game started, even though it didn't work out in the playoffs. In that first game, which we don't even talk about losing, (laughs) because the second game was so bad. Josh? Yeah, I agree
2: with you. One of the incredible things about Manoa is he did not give up five runs or more at all. Every game he pitched, the Jays were in it. And in the four games where he gave up four runs, he pitched into the sixth. So he kept the team in games every single time he took the mound. And you can't really ask for more than that for a guy who makes all of his starts and throws 196 innings.
1: Yeah.
0: Nick, though, you you have a different angle.
1: I I just wanted to include him because we've done this like year up like you were in review show and like we barely mentioned him if at I all. I totally
2: with agree Jordan, with this decision. With with Jordan <laughs>
1: Romano, I mean, he's be, like you kind of take it for granted. He's been like a super elite closer like in now it's like 130 innings over the last two seasons. Um so interesting yeah. side
0: note, he basically had exactly the same season as last year except under tougher circumstances.
1: Yeah. Like, and
2: oh, his leverage index was off the charts every time he came in the game was on the line he had very few easy saves
1: hey josh uh just in case someone at home definitely not me but like someone else doesn't know what the leverage index (laughs) is what would that be (laughs) definitely not Uh, me though
2: oh yeah so leverage index is a stat that it's a number that uses the the leverage uh, your average entrance of a game to to measure what the like how important it is when you're entering anything one is considered normal and anything above two is considered very
1: high leverage. Right. So Mono- is one, like, one is like a clean inning then? Yeah. No, w- w- uh, one one so is coming into what is a the game, start of the game.
0: Yeah. What, one is coming into a, a clean inning in the, in the first and, and uh, no runners on. Uh, if you are in a, you know, you are in a tie ball game in the bottom of the eighth with the bases loaded and nobody out. Your leverage is probably somewhere around like six, if that's where you entered the game.
2: It's not that high, but yes. So anyway, so leverage index, the idea behind it is to measure how often you're coming into situations like that. And Romano's leverage index was, so like I said, two is considered very high. He was at two and a half on the season. Average. <laughs> average leverage index yeah and just under two and a half but the, he, he, he was he was the second base was closer to eighth than it was to him second place
1: yeah he's he might be so good over these last few years that we've taken him for granted um because we just you know kind of assume he's he's going to get the job done
2: yeah, 2.27, actually, so I was wrong. It wasn't two and a half. It went down a little bit, I guess, at the end of the season because the Jays weren't playing important games. But, yeah, he he was still closer to clo- – second base was closer to sixth now instead of eighth than they were to first place. So crazy, crazy high leverage usage for Jordan Romano. So I'm I glad still, you brought
1: him up. I still think you should come over to the team Manoa here, Nick. Oh, I I mean, I, I, I totally understand how <laughs> Manoa was the – No,
2: but I like the idea. Like, we, yeah. we got to the last categories, and we hadn't brought up this guy who was – awesome for the team
0: uh worst pitcher you, you guys i think have made your your, your feelings clear right Nick?
1: <laughs> yes yeah it's just it's not all it's like quantity and it's like poor quality right. over a long period of time like did, he made like 30 starts for them or something
0: 32
2: That's, he, 30, he yeah. led
0: the team in starts did it, made them all and he started off with an absolute craptacular outing on opening day um jose barrios i i just to be the contrarian here i said kikuchi um just because of the fact that sometimes jose barrios would give you six innings of a quality start he did it multiple times throughout the season uh kikuchi uh, that became very elusive, even in a game where it looked like he was okay for a couple of innings. Often he would fall out of his delivery and lose everything. And then when he went to the bullpen, he started striking a lot more people out, but he didn't stop walking them. So that wasn't really an improvement when you want to bring him on with runners on base. So, um, at least Barrios could give you a start out of those 32 that you could win. Uh, Kikuchi didn't seem like it after, after the first month.
2: Well, somehow had a lower ERA than Barrios. Uh, Although, an example of how nonsense a stat that can be, he also had nine unearned runs, which is like, well, like, was it like an error and then five hits? You know, it's like, <laughs> you're still your fault. <laughs>
1: okay. uh, Darius you had as many wins this year as he did in 2021. Speaking of wins is an even dumber stat. Yeah, that don't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Wins is That's amazing. Wild.
0: You know, because when the team doesn't win, you can't win, uh game can't get to the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> MVP. I went with Alec Manoa. Josh? Manoa. Nick? Yeah, Manoa as well. Yeah. There was there was no player on the offensive side of the ball who even entered my brain on this conversation, which tells me that Alec Manoa was 100% the MVP of this team.
2: Yeah, just from beginning to end in the season, Manoa was the best. It, but I know we, we like just, we can make this quick, but he was... Like, there was no months where he was bad. He had three of the months in the season, he had ERAs under three. And then in September, when it mattered the most, it was under one.
1: Yep. And this, this is also a guy who went from pitching like 110 innings in 2021 to 196 in 2022. Right. Uh, so right?
2: Like- to have that jump in workload for the first time ever in her, like first time in his life. And then he gave up four runs in September. In six starts,
0: it's amazing. Yep, I, I pay the man, extend Manoa. <laughs> That's all I got to say. All right, Josh, we got to hand out one more award, and it is a do-over, as as we are wont to do. The I, I think it is uh, this one.
1: Oops! I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet.
0: <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again?
1: But. What I really meant
0: was... If we could do it all over again, Josh, what would we not do?
2: Lock out the damn
1: players.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would not do it either. Not only was it greedy, but it screwed up the whole season schedule.
2: Five-game series against the Rays in September. Um, Yeah, it was bad. And it just... It really hurt the game again. And it was so stupid. I, they actually finally get things done, and then they it's like, oh, we only have to lose. Like, oh, season's got not going to start. We're not going to finish get a full season. Oh, well, maybe we can if we do it tomorrow or tomorrow or tomorrow or tomorrow. So just sit down and get this crap done. And it took. It's also because it took like once the lockout happened on the first, it took six weeks before they started negotiating again. Yeah. What were you doing? Get to the damn table so this thing can end. Anyway, rant over.
1: 100%. Rant ended. Yeah. On, a, on a very meta level, it seems concerning that the people in charge of baseball seem so short-sighted in terms of keeping it growing or sustainable in the long term. And I feel like there's just 30 different things we could point at in the lockout and the negotiations that kind of make it feel like the people in charge of baseball don't really care about it at all like, that's, yep, the t- that's probably
0: going to be a title of an extra pellets episode over the winter if i know us a <laughs> 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 uh, friendly reminder that we have a patreon at triple uh, at, at uh, patreon.com slash TurfPod. if uh, you enjoy uh, all the things we do around here uh, you could throw us a dollar a month uh, if you're feeling generous uh, i have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 and uh, I have been joined by uh, Josh at Joshua Housem and Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka on the Twitter, although that may have changed if Elon Musk has kicked us off for something we <laughs> did or said. Um, which is, that is to say, our 21 wrap-up wrap is done, so this has been episode number 251 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will talk at you in the near future.